What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at the Peter Plank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. We are being joined tonight by one of our favorite guests, a uh, multiple-time recurring guest. I think this is either four or five now. I've lost count. He's been on so many times, but we are uh, thrilled to be joined by senior writer and editor of Buccaneers.com, Scott Smith. Scott, how you doing? I'm good. Real good. It's nice down here in Florida. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's yeah. always nice down there in Florida. It's starting <laughs> to be nice up here in Ohio, but you know, now we have the humidity kicking in, which is brutal. But you know, I'll take I, it over the snow and the ice any day of the week. I sneer at your humidity. Your humidity does not match our humidity. <laughs> That is true, but you know we also don't have pools in every backyard that we can just relax and cool off in. There's some beaches near here too. There's a lot of beaches. Yeah, there there are those. My my parents are getting ready to spend two weeks down at St. Pete <laughs> Beach here, and uh, in a couple weeks from now. So, but yeah, Scott, we're we're excited to have you on to talk a little bit about what's been going on with the Buccaneers here over the the course of the last week or so. And one of the the biggest topics right now among Buccaneers fans, and of course we knew this was going to happen because of the the need at the position and the excitement that comes with it, and that is rookie running back Ronald Jones. Yeah, it seems like he's he's got the right attitude. He was performing well in rookie minicamp as well as you can perform given the circumstances, no contact, things like that. Um, yeah, he he spoke to the media and he was real adamant about making sure that he's working hard at being able to catch the ball out of the backfield yeah. and adding that right. facet to his game. But what's what are some of your takeaways as far as how, how Ronald Jones has conducted himself and has performed thus far in the offseason? Yeah, you're right. He's he's doing everything the right way. And it, it, you they ran a lot of plays with him catching passes out of the backfield. And that's not that probably doesn't mean anything because it's a mini camp in the off season, just like everything in the off season, you can't have any contact. So running plays, you can basically block them out and do what you're supposed to do. But since nobody can hit each other, everything is a, you know, a 40 yard touchdown run. And you can see a guy make a quick cut or whatever, but how much really value is there to that? Really? There's a lot more in installing plays, especially the passing game. And they're trying to catch, in rookie camp, they're trying to catch the rookies up. So when they join the veterans, which kind of happens this week, but since it's still phase two, it's not really that important. But next week when the OTAs start, it's like real practices. So you want your rookies to be as close as possible to the veterans in the playbook, you know, so they can integrate well. And I, I really saw a lot of them from passes to Ronald Jones. I, I think that's what they're hoping will be a big part of the offense. And, it's it is a question mark because he didn't catch a ton of passes at USC. Uh, he seems like the kind of player who would be good at that. They just didn't use him a lot for that. But there's probably a learning curve. So I imagine there's a lot of work with him running routes and so on. And I saw a lot of that. And I think that's I think that's one of the keys to the preparation for the upcoming season, integrating him into the passing game because he's supposed to be a complement to what we already have. You know, Peyton Barber's a bigger guy, a good pounder between the tackles. Jacquez Rogers. You know, he, he can catch passes out of the backfield, but he's more probably more of a, you know, a fill-in, do-everything kind of guy. So I think they want Ronald Jones to be the guy that can get out in space 
and really make some big plays. And so, you know, they, that that was the beginning of that process this weekend. Yeah, and I know a lot of Buccaneer fans breathed a very heavy sigh of relief when you posted on Twitter a video of <laughs> Ronald Jones announcing he was changing his number. I don't really buy into the to the number makes the player, but there were a lot of Buccaneers fans who were very nervous about another running back immediately wearing 22. I mean, judging by your reaction to that, it seems like you kind of felt that was a little silly as well. Yeah, I, I was surprised when he got that number in the first place. And I, it, and I tweeted, when I very t- tweeted the numbers the very first time, I'm like, listen, realize this, this stuff can change. Uh, right. I almost I almost flipped there. Uh, this stuff can change. Don't read too much into it. I mean, half the time, these guys are getting numbers before they've even stepped into the building. I know our, we talked to them on the phone and all that, and there's different numbers involved with different guys. Ronald Jones, obviously, if he had his choice, would be 25, but that's Peyton Barber, so maybe he doesn't really want to engage in a uh, trying to buy him out, and maybe Peyton doesn't want to move, to be honest with you. He already moved once from 43. So it was really funny because I was not at all surprised by the reaction to that first tweet. Everybody was very unhappy with him getting that number. And so when I found out he was switching, I'm like, let's let's do something with this. And I, I went out and I got him, found him in the cafeteria, you know, asked him to come outside and just tell everybody what his number was going to be. And <laughs> I, I haven't had a whole lot of tweets get much more engagement than that one. I mean, I, I think that that video has been watched like, nearly 20,000 times at this point. It's oh, just wow. him saying, hey, I'm going to be wearing number 27, so here we go. <laughs> I like <laughs> it. It's a good number. It's a good number. I think it's yeah, it's I, more often a DB number, but um, he could make it his own. There's not really been a great 27, like Garrett Blunt maybe, but he just needs to beat him, and he'll be the best 27 of all time in Bucks uniform. Yeah, because the last guy to wear it, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, at least on, on a yeah. – NFL field during the regular season would have been Jonathan Banks. Yeah, that's correct. And yeah, this this cornerback that hasn't really played, David Rivers, and he's still going to be 27 right now. He's the current guy. Um, you know, you do offense and defense on the same number. But yeah, Jonathan Banks was the last one. There's been a lot of guys like Barney Bussey, uh, you know, good defensive backs, Anthony Parker maybe, but nothing, nobody that's really nailed that number down. So. I don't. Right. I think if if I were telling, if I were guessing within Ronald Jones' head, I bet he he doesn't really care that much about whether he's 22 or 27. He'd love to be 25, but it's probably not going to happen. But I think he, I think he'll end up defining that number, or he has a shot to at least. I, you know what? I'll tell you guys a story. When Warren Sapp came in for the Bucks, and our old um, equipment manager Frankie Papella was still there. And he was 76 in Miami, and he really wanted to be 76. Really, really wanted to be 76. And I think we had an offensive lineman named Scott Dill at the time who was wearing 76. And he wanted to try to get that number. And our offensive – I mean, excuse me, our equipment manager talked him out of it and said, listen, take 99, make it your own. I'm not making this up. I swear this happened. Make it your own. Define it. You can make 99U. And that's – and he, you know, he talked him into it, and the rest is history, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. now there are guys that wear 99 because that did. Exactly. Exactly. There's safeties that wear 47 because of Lynch. It's, it's that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, and, and somebody else that has made <clears throat> a big impact so far 
uh, you know, through rookie minicamp and everything that's getting talked about quite a bit is new defensive line coach uh, Brenson Buckner. Yeah. You know, he's, yeah. he's had a lot of videos of him circulating on Twitter. He was jumping all over Vita Vea. Yeah, he seems like a very upbeat, motivational kind of guy. And and I know a lot of Buccaneers fans gravitated to the fact that he kept telling them, you know, guys, the shortest distance from A to B is just go straight. And a lot of Buccaneers fans were, were irritated and upset at all the stunts and the twists and the, yeah, instead of just getting straight up field. I mean, is that something that Buckner is now preaching that, you know, maybe we're not going to see, you know, nearly the level of, of stunts or, or, or movement across the defensive line. He's just having his guys get up and, and go as fast as they can, just full speed ahead. I, what are what are some of the other things that you're noticing about Buckner's style that is going to impact this defensive line heading into the season? Yeah, uh, to answer the question about all the stunting, I I can only judge it by the words, which I think is the same thing you're doing, but I, I think so. I think it's more – okay, he – we noticed right away on the practice field with him, he, he's really teaching them some very, really specific techniques. Like, I remember hearing him telling guys, college players, uh, defensive linemen, they get up in, the, you know, they come out of the, the, of the snap and they get up into the offensive linemen and their hands are right into them. Like, not extended, but in their chest. And then they move the second part of that move is they push away and he was telling the guys listen you can't do that in the nfl because you do that and those guys will just hold you they'll they'll hold you right there and you're not going to get to the second part of that move you have to keep your arms extended you have to keep them at arm's length so you can make your second move and then i saw him doing all kinds of other stuff where the guys are they're not even necessarily running through drills and jumping over bags and hitting bags they were standing there and Brinson Buckner was on the other side of them, and, and they, you know he's got them twisted a certain way, and he's showing them very specific stuff about technique with their hands and their first move and their hips. Like if you if you come up a, a, a longer guy, you know you're you're the defensive end and you're engaging with the tackle, but you leave your hip exposed. That tight end is going to come in and nail you in the hip, and that's when you're going to get hurt. So you gotta you gotta engage with the guy, but also keep your hip from getting exposed. Really specific stuff like that, which believe me, I have no way. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just relaying what I heard. I don't I don't know anything about defensive line technique, but hearing all that stuff, it's very specific technique stuff. And what he's saying is, we need to teach these guys really specific technique detail. We got to get the techniques down, and then when they're ready, they just go out on the field and they beat their their man in front of them one to one. And so I think you're right. I think it's going to be a lot simpler. I do think there's going to be a lot of substitution because it's the point of getting eight or nine guys you, you're happy about playing. But I think that's more just to keep them fresh rather than different packages and different stunts and so on. So I, I, would, I would say yes. And, and if, if fans like to hear that, then good, because I think they're right. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of excitement surrounding him and what he's going to do with all those new pieces. But another defensive player, or uh, defensive member rather, who's who's been getting a lot of attention since the moment his name was announced at the draft has been Carl Davis. And during rookie camp, and and even during some of the uh, the press conferences and the meetings with the media that have been published on your guys' site, uh, his name came up a couple times as well. What did you see out of Davis during the mini camp? Uh, that kind of it, whether it gets you excited or not, just what did you kind of see out of him? 
Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to plead the fifth. I, I didn't personally see either Carlton Davis or MJ Stewart doing anything awesome, but I I know that that's been everybody's who everybody's been reporting that they did well. That the you know, and you you hear the Bucks talking about them doing well. So, I mean, listen, I'm standing there at practice. I'm not gonna pretend I see everything that these guys do, um, but. The reviews of both those guys coming out of minicamp was really good. Uh, I, I know that um, I think it was Dirk Cutter said after Saturday that MJ Stewart was one of their guys that really stood out on uh, tape after after the first day. So um, I think was it him or Carlton Davis? Did you guys watch that that video that press conference? I know they like both the the, the young cornerbacks right off the bat. So, but there's so much to be decided. You know, what's Vernon Hargrave's going to do? What's Ryan Smith going to do, you know? Yeah, we're definitely still very early in the process. And, and uh, even though we're you know, early in that process, the Bucks, you guys announced uh, on the website that uh, Mark Myers and Ruben Holcomb had been added to the 90-man roster. They were tryout guys. And obviously there was parallels drawn. I think you wrote the, the, the article, right, for the website, uh, drawing the parallels, you know, to guys like DeMar Dotson, Adam Humphreys, not necessarily predicting that these two would, turn into that but just you know there's potential to find talent in the uh in the tryout players did you see anything significant out of these guys or is this just you know they kind of stood out among the rest and so they're going to get their shot and we'll still see kind of what what's left to come well i'll split it too because i didn't hear anything about reuben holcomb i i when they gave me the name i had not heard anybody but i had heard a lot of buzz i'm not kidding internally about mark myers was like everybody likes that I think he's 29. He's like everybody. Like, I think that's the number he's playing, wearing as a trial player. He's like everybody's really liking that, that 29. Um, you know, and I think it's it's kind of encouraging because when you you talk about guys that didn't get signed, didn't get drafted, didn't get signed, had to settle for a trial contract. You know what what sets them apart? What why why would these guys have a shot? And I think with both of these guys, they came from tiny programs. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, what's his name? Mark Myers. He was part of the original recruiting class at that at that fledgling program at Southeastern. That he could be the first player ever from there. And Ruben Holcomb could be the first guy since the 1950s from Indianapolis. So. You can you can look at that and go, of course they got overlooked because of the programs that they're from. But then they get there and they show something. You know, you you, you threw out the guys that I was talking about in that article. Demar Dotson was a basketball player, and right. that's why he was he was on a tryout contract. Clifton Smith was a tiny little running back. That's why he was on a tryout contract. These guys don't. There, there's reasons why people didn't care about them enough to draft them or sign them. But then they get a, a look, and you can you, then you can retroactively look back and go, well, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why this guy didn't get a look. And now they see him and they like him. You know, who knows what will come of either of these guys? But I know there was a lot of there was a lot of very positive buzz about Mark Myers around the building. Kind of staying on the the defensive side of the ball. <clears throat> Uh, there were some interesting comments today from defensive coordinator Mike Smith about Vernon Hargrave's role coming up, and it sounds like Hargrave is going to be competing for two positions. That uh, Mike Smith had said that in, in base packages that Vernon Hargrave will be competing to be the 
starting outside corner opposite of Brent Grimes. But in their sub packages, when they have a, a nickel corner in, sounds like they're going to move Vernon on the inside and there's going to be competition for the other outside corner. What do you kind of make of, of everything going on surrounding Vernon Hargraves? I mean, obviously they used a high draft pick for him a few years ago, and you don't want to use that high of a pick on someone who's going to be a, a slot corner. But at the same time, the way the NFL has evolved, there's always, you know, these, these three and four receiver sets. So it's like a, a starting nickel corner is, you know, on the field, you know, 90% of the time. I don't obviously have the exact numbers in front of me. But what do you what do you kind of make of what, what Hargraves is going to be able to bring to this defense with the struggles that we saw last year and kind of how they're starting to shift some of their philosophies regarding their use of him? Yeah, uh, the the Hargraves situation is really interesting. I had actually talked to a um, pro scout a couple weeks ago and was looking at his depth chart. And, um, you know, when we drafted MJ Stewart, who can play the slot, I wondered, you know, and they really were emphasizing that. I wondered, well, what is the plan for Vernon Hargraves? And and early in the offseason, uh, Dirk Cutter, when he was at the league meetings, it said they really liked – they really wanted to look at him in the slot. I, do you guys remember that from, from that stuff? Oh, yeah. And, yeah, and so I was like, okay, now this is different than what I had heard. And and then sure enough, Mike Smith, what he said today was very much in line with what the scout had told me. They, you know, I think these guys still believe in him, and, and they should. I, I don't mean to make that sound incredulous. They should. Uh, and he they would like to see him they're going to let him compete for and maybe he's the favorite i'm not sure for this the spot opposite Brent Grimes and then like you said he would play a dual role like Ronnie Barber used to do where he slides in the slot on the nickel packages and Mike Smith was making it very clear today and i think John Hoke said some of the same stuff that they already really think he's very good in the slot so i think for him the proof is the proof is in what he can do on the outside. And, you know, he, he got hurt last year, right? He started the season out, kind of didn't do as well as, as anybody would have expected. Um, and then they moved him in the slot. They thought he had a really good game, I think, in Buffalo. And uh, and then shortly thereafter, he was hurt. And so there really wasn't an opportunity to explore this and find out what the best role for him was. But they saw enough right before he got hurt that they were encouraged so, you know, there's a there's a lot to be unpacked here, and I, that's why every time, you know, when I'm on with Casey Phillips doing our live show or whatever, she's always asking me what's the mo- what's the most interesting position to watch. I'm like, it's the cornerbacks because there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of guys that can play different things, and you know, do you you, you say you want Carlton Davis to match up against uh, big receivers in our division? Does that mean he's going to be an outside guy? Is he starting, or is he just playing when we're playing Devin Funches? You know what I'm saying? How are they going to work this all out? But but as I always say to her, when it comes down to it, I'm a big believer that you have to have four or five good cornerbacks to make it through a season. You just they always all get used. They, there's always injuries. It happened last year. Um, and I think they'll all end up being important to the defense. But when, when we're talking about Vernon Hargraves in particular, 
I think he has to prove, I think his biggest thing will be to prove that he can handle the job on the outside. And if he can do that, then they're going to really like him in this sort of Rondé Barber hybrid role. That's a really good point you made there, Scott. I mean, uh, I think I think depth was something that definitely hurt the Buccaneers defense more than, than perhaps anything uh, last season that, that went down. And and you mentioned that there's still a lot left to unpack, and and discussing that we're we're getting close to phase three of the offseason program. And for the listeners who uh, don't know specifically what happens in which phase, phase three is where we start to see some of the seven on seven drills, the eleven on eleven drills, and and there's still no you know there, there's not a lot of contact and, and stuff like that going on. But it's kind of the first glimpse we get to see at some of the you know the defense taking on the offensive players and stuff like that uh to you know in a limited capacity but for Scott for you I mean you've seen a lot of these and and you know they each phase has their own certain values and they bring certain things to the table and and obviously you don't get a clear picture until much later in the into the off season in, in the early fall but what's your favorite part of phase 3 and kind of with this roster this year what are you kind of looking forward to seeing the most I like the one on ones you know you can't really even do wide receiver db one on ones in phase 2 uh, you can do them in phase three. Uh, OTA practices are a lot like training camp practices in their form, except you can't have contact. And, you know, obviously that's a big difference. Um, and really, what are you going to learn about Vita Vea in a, in a practice where he can't really do anything except stand up and kind of lean against the guy across the line, right? Um, uh you know, we don't have a young – we have a young quarterback in Austin Allen, but I, it would be surprising if he played a significant role in this season. So you don't really have a young quarterback to watch. You got a fifth-round receiver, but I've always been of the opinion that everybody goes nuts about our receiving core every offseason in training camp, and, oh, my gosh, we've got so many guys. They look so good, but it's, it's misleading on the field. So, the you know, the guys – that are interesting to me are the defensive backs in the one-on-one, um, you know, Carlton Davis, and we've been talking about MJ Stewart, Jordan Whitehead, uh, you know, the one-on-ones should be extremely slanted towards the offense because there's no pass rush. There's no other players on the field and a, a, a receiver running a really sharp route should be able to beat a DB one-on-one in that situation. But when you see the defense, you know, making some splash plays in one-on-ones, uh, it opens your eyes a little bit. And I, I would like to see those guys. You know, Carlton Davis, MJ Stewart, how good are they in coverage? You know, all those guys are they, – they played a lot of press coverage in college. That's what they are used to. How good are they playing off five yards and mirroring routes? And if they're – you know, if they look good – in those drills, that's really going to say a lot to me because, you know, otherwise, how much can you really tell from a non-contact practice? Yeah, that's, that's right. very true. And and I think a lot of those things, and, and I mean, personally, myself, I'm excited to see, you know, what the defensive line really does with translating uh, Coach Buckner's messages into into physical action on the field. So, yeah, all, all good stuff and, and definitely some some good points to watch as we move forward. Are you guys going to be spending some time in that uh, new indoor practice facility, or is it still going to be outside like a lot of the uh, rookie minicamp was? You talking about off-season work? Well, the, yeah, the upcoming camp. OTAs. Yeah, I think they'll be outside most of the time. Um, you know, now that we're about to start getting daily rain, um, you know, they'll, they'll obviously have that option to move in there. 
every time. So I'm sure it'll happen from time to time. I, I imagine they'll mix it up. In training camp, uh, they're going to mix it up some, but they're not going to spend the whole training camp inside that building. So um, it'll be interesting to see exactly how they split it up. All right. Well, Scott, we certainly appreciate uh, having you on. What What do you have on tap over at uh, Buccaneers.com that our listeners can head over there and check out? Well, um, I'm going to start up my my new mailbag. I haven't been doing that for a little bit. I don't know if you guys how long you've been you've been following the website, but I I used to before we had attributions on the website. I used to do a a series uh, called the Answer Man. Mm-hmm. Um, it was basically a mailbag, but I didn't, I wasn't really identified. We made it into a, sort of a cartoon character kind of thing. Yeah, and I I've done a mail, but, uh, what's that? I remember the series. I didn't know that was you. Yeah, that was me. Um, and, uh, I was trying to be a little whimsical and, and then I've been doing a mailbag recently, uh, in recent years, but, um, haven't done it for a little while, but we're, we're launching a new one. Uh, it's really, really, th- this name is really clever. You guys are going to be floored. The SS Mailbag. Get it? SS Mailbag, like a ship. And that's my initial. Uh, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my son actually came up with that name. We were trying to come up with a name. So um, I'm going to be soliciting questions starting tomorrow. Um, I want to be, I want to have fun with it. You know, I want to have, I want to have fans send me in questions that are fun. You know, you know, try, let's, let's, you know, not just, is Ronald Jones going to be the starter? You know, let's let's have some fun with this. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm working on that, and um, we got some new we got some new concepts uh, uh, for some series in the in the uh, in the works. So we'll see what happens here. And also, uh, I know I've talked to you a little bit about David. I, you know, I think I'm going to steal your guys' idea here and, and maybe start a podcast pretty soon. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but uh, it should be fun. Yeah, well, we uh, we're definitely looking forward to checking out the SS mailbag, and uh, of course, everyone can find you over over on Twitter at uh, it's uh, at Scott S Bucks, correct? Yeah, that seemed to make sense at the time, and, and now years later, it seems a little convoluted. But yeah, that's what it, that's what I originally set up. Scott All S. Right. Bucks. Well, we certainly appreciate some of your time tonight, Scott. Thank you so much for. No, I appreciate us. you guys every time. I, I, It's my pleasure, for sure. All right. That was Scott Smith of Buccaneers.com, senior writer and editor. You can find him on Twitter, at Scott S. Bucks. And make sure that you're following what we're doing over at Locked on Bucks, at the Peter Plank, at Yarko underscore Bucks, and at EH82 underscore Bucks. Hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful Thursday, and we will catch you all next time right here at Locked on Bucks.